Coming to you from the greatest city in the world, this is the number one showbiz podcast. It's Talk for Two. Here's your host, Matt Bailey. Thank you so much, Mr. Gary Owen. And as always, thank you to our season sponsors, Axtel Expressions and the Tangent Bound Network. Find fantastic podcasts at tangentboundnetwork.com and all your entertainment needs are at axtel.com. Today, I get to welcome the widow of a songwriting legend. Eunice David was married to Academy Award-winning lyricist Hal David for more than 25 years. Hal David is best known for his collaborations with songwriter Burt Bacharach. The duo has one of the largest catalogs of hits in music history. Many thanks to the voice and talent of singer Dionne Warwick. But they never gave thought to genre, having also composed the Willie Nelson Julio Iglesias single, To All the Girls I've Loved Before. David and Bacharach won their Oscar in 1969 for the song Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head, which can be heard in the film Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Eunice David has written a memoir about her departed husband's life and career, which includes stories about all of these hits and more. The book is called How David, His Magic Moments. Throughout it, you can tell Mrs. David is lovingly preserving her husband's memory, all while fighting that which frustrated him the most in his later years, the lack of recognition for lyricists. Mrs. David opens up about this life with her husband, and her observation of his process in a truly charming interview. I got to tell you, I didn't know what to expect to sit down with her, but it was absolutely lovely. Here now to tell us which came first, the lyrics or the music, our interview with the lovely Eunice David. Eunice David, welcome to Talk for Two. How are you this morning? I'm just great. Thank you for inviting me to speak with you. Oh, thank you so much for being willing to speak with me. I mean, I want to start off with a compliment, something I'm sure you're hearing many, many times over. Your memoir is absolutely beautiful. What inspired you to write it? When did you say, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write this story? Well, sad, sadly, it was mm-hmm. after Hal passed. Of course. It was the way I spent my first few months being alone. I sat down, wrote the book, and it I felt it kept him close to me. Oh, that is lovely. That is lovely. How important is it for his story to be told and the story of his music to, to stay alive? Well, one of the reasons I wrote the book was because a lyricist is not as well known as the composer of a song. Mm-hmm. And it always used to upset me when not only would people thought Burt Backrack wrote all the songs that he and, and Hal wrote, but other people like Elton John, uh, his lyricist was not as well known. Even, um, uh, well, well most, most composers, people think they wrote the song themselves, and they, the lyricists don't get the credit. And I wanted to, to, I wanted people to understand how important the words were to a popular song or any song. Mm-hmm. They really, what would what would a song be without the words? You'd just be humming a melody. Right, exactly. Now, what were what were Hal's feelings about that? I know that he kind of, he didn't really like the spotlight. Is that right? He kind of shied away from it. 
we he did shy away from it, and whenever he was asked about that, he was the first one to say that Bert, for example, was uh, in the spotlight. He was performing. He was singing himself, and he kept the songs alive. So um, Hal just was happy that the songs were out there. Mm-hmm. But um, in later years, he always felt sorry that uh, his name wasn't mentioned more because he he really helped make those songs popular. Mm-hmm. Um. Why did he shy? I mean, we we just mentioned, you know, that he did that he, um, uh, you know, would let Bert kind of take the lead. What what was it with him that he kind of decided to stay in the back? Did it make him uncomfortable, or did he just like creating and and didn't like all the pomp and circumstance with it? Well, I would I would venture to guess that early on he did not like the limelight. He shied away from it. But in his later years, I would say from the time he was in his uh, 60s, let's say, on, because he lived to 90. Mm-hmm. Um, in those years, he actually started to perform himself. He was in cabaret shows. He uh, gave master classes for students. And in those later years, he was really out there and thoroughly enjoying it. Mm-hmm. That is wonderful. Now, you mentioned the the uh, partnership with Burt Bacharach. Is there a story there? How did they come to work together? A fellow by the name of Eddie Wolfen introduced them. Uh, Bert was working under contract at Famous Music in the Brill Building in New York. Mm -hmm. And Hal was doing freelance. And he had had some pretty good success with songs prior to meeting Bert. He wrote Bell Bottom Blues, Johnny Get Angry, uh, quite a few songs that were getting played on the radio. But uh, this Eddie Wolfen thought maybe it would be a, a good idea for the two young guys to get together and see what they could do. And they had success early on. Two major songs. The first one was um, The Story of My Life, which was recorded by Marty Robbins. Mm-hmm. And the second one was Perry Como singing Magic Moments. How uh-huh. good can that be? <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. That's uh, that's lightning striking twice right there. That's really cool. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> now let's let's talk about Dionne Warwick. Uh, how did she find their music? Well, actually, uh, they heard her. She was oh, wow. singing with her sisters, Dee Dee and um, Sissy Houston. Sissy was uh, her aunt, Dionne's aunt, and she was Whitney Houston's mother. Mm-hmm. And so they were singing in a, I think it was called the Gospel Ears. But Hal and Bert heard Dion's voice, and they asked her to come into their office to interview. And as Hal liked to put it, this little girl in blue jeans and sneakers came in and just blew them away. Wow, that is incredible. Now, I want to talk about you. I mean, you are kind of the keeper of his life and his career and his legacy. Um what I want to know is, <clears throat> excuse me, what I want to know is, what is one thing that you hope that people remember about Hal? How do you hope his legacy is maintained? Well, actually, I, I have two hopes, and I hope that I um, brought that across in the book. You did, yes. Aside from Hal's really extraordinary talent as a, uh, a lyricist, he also had 
a heart that that was bigger than his body. Mm-hmm. He he always was a champion of songwriters. He he walked the halls in Washington D.C. Uh, trying to uh, explain to the legislators the importance of copyright protection and how long a copyright should last. He was always thinking of other people. That was one of his virtues. He was he was just one of the most fair men I'd ever met, and he wanted good things for everybody in his profession. Mm-hmm. And I think that he made a lasting uh, statement in that effect because he he was instrumental in getting copyright laws uh, improved. Yes, he was. He was very much so. And back to you, though, writing this story, and you did put this across very, very well in the book. It's it's over 300 pages, but I got to tell you, it's a really quick read because there's so much heart and soul into it. Um, I'm curious, was it hard for you to write this, or was it cathartic and therapeutic and uh, an enjoyable experience? Was it emotionally hard, or did you find it fun, in a sense? Actually, uh, well, I, I don't know if I would call it fun. Right. Because <laughs> of course, it, it, it took a lot out of me. Yeah. But it was a labor of love, and as I mentioned earlier, in those early days after Hal passed, it kept him alive for me, and it reminded me of the wonderful life, the really exciting life that we had for the twenty-five years we were married. So, in that respect, it was wonderful experience for me. That is great. I want to get back to talking about his work, though, before we close this out in about 10 minutes here. Um, he, he had, reading that book and reading about him, his work crossed so many genres, musicals, pop, even country for Willie Nelson with To All the Girls I've Loved Before. Was that ever a consideration for him? Did he love all music equally, or 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 did he try to st- stick to one genre Mainly, I mean, obviously he didn't, but how did he think about the writing process and what genres he wanted to write? Well, I don't think he he um, recognized that he was writing in a certain genre. Hmm. Hal was born in Brooklyn, or raised in Brooklyn, and uh, he obviously didn't hear many country songs on the radio in those years. <laughs> right. But he he always said he didn't even know he was writing a country song. Oh, wow. It just depended on who decided to sing one of his songs and what style it was sung in. Mm-hmm. And he was just thrilled when it became a country song, and especially if it crossed over into the pop charts. That just made him as happy as could be. That is that is. Wonderful. So he, he never started out writing, let's say, a country song. He just wrote a song. Yes. <laughs> And and speaking of that process, especially when he was collaborating, which would come first? I mean, I'm a fan of music, and I've always wondered this. I can't write or play anything for the life of me. But I've always wondered, in these kind of collaborative settings, does the melody come first, or do the lyrics come first? How, how would he work? Can you give us a little insight into his process? That's a good question. Thank you for asking it. Um, actually, it was a, a mixture of both, and Bert was brilliant at being able to either write to the lyrics or compose a song first. For example, the music for um, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head came first mm-hmm. and wrote 
Hal wrote the uh, lyrics and then brought them over to Bert, who put them to the music. Um, in Alfie, for example, Bert couldn't get a handle on it, and he told Hal to go ahead and try and write the lyrics first. And Hal even had a hard time writing those lyrics because he said the name Alfie was not familiar to him. It sounded like a British music hall name. Mm-hmm. But once he got the lyric, uh, what's it all about, Alfie, then, of course, he knew what he was going to write. But that song in particular, Hal wrote, what's it all about, Alfie, and then went on with his lyrics. But when he gave it to Bert, Bert wrote a couple of extra, put a couple of extra notes in it. And Hal was just thrilled because then he wrote, what's it all about, Alfie, when you sort it out, Alfie. So uh, that, he gave the lyrics to Bert. Bert wrote the music but put a few extra notes in it. And then Hal came back and finished the lyrics. So that was a, a a good working collaboration. That's a great example. And I want to talk about, because we are based here in New York, before we let you go, I want to talk about uh, Promises, Promises. Um, what's the story there? How did Hal become involved with that project? How did he uh, approach writing a musical? He always wanted to do a Broadway show. That that was a dream of his. So he was thrilled when David Merrick, who was the producer, asked him and Bert to write the score for the play that was going to be written by Neil Simon. Mm-hmm. It was based it was based on a movie called The Apartment, which coincidentally was produced by a dear friend of ours, Walter Mirisch. Oh very cool. Anyway, the three fellows, um, Bert, Hal and uh, Neil Simon, had a wonderful collaboration. Hal thought it was just the highlight of his career that he had written a Broadway show and he loved Every minute of it, even if it, you know some of it was traumatic. For example, uh, Bert uh, became ill and he was hospitalized halfway through the um, produ- the production of it in in uh, Boston before it came to Broadway. And there was they needed a new song for the second act. And David Merrick was in a hurry to have the song written because. Uh, Neil Simon had had to write a new scene. The, the song that was in the show originally wasn't working. Mm. But uh, he, Merrick almost threatened to get a new composer to come in just for that one song, and Hal didn't want that to happen. So he started starting writing. And he must have obviously had the the uh, Bert in mind, Bert who was sick in the hospital, because he wrote, what do you get? When you catch when, what do you get when you fall in love? You get enough germs to catch pneumonia. When you, when then she'll never phone you. So everybody teased him about that rhyme, but it worked. And when when Bert got out of the hospital, he quickly wrote the music to that song, and it became a major hit not only in the show but it had its own legs as well. That is wow. That's a great wow. That that's really cool to hear that story and, and how kind of life influenced that. That's really interesting. Now, I'm curious, I want to bring it around before we close out, to kind of modern day. I, I'm, I, I look at music and I look at the landscape today, and it's kind of hard not to get a little, a little disheartened when the emphasis is on a lot of this techno, electronic sort of 
music by the numbers things. Are we losing the craft of songwriting or is it as vibrant as ever? Who And who do you look to as some great songwriters today? Uh, I must admit, I don't know the names of the current songwriters because I'm, I'm sort of out of it these days in terms of the music field. But um, I know that Cal didn't love rap be- <laughs> because at the beginning, it, the words were so... Uh, they, they were mean. Yeah. And, you know, they... They wanted people to get the cops and do bad things to women, and and Hal resented that. But he appreciated the rhyming ability of those people who wrote rap, and he understood that. He just didn't care for the lyrics, and so that that sort of turned him off to rap. Mm -hmm. But you always have to have something new coming along. You can't stagnate. So uh, Hal and and I, too, appreciate that, that something new is always going to come up. But the beauty is that when a song such as many of Hal's who were written 50 years ago are still being performed today, that's the beauty of music. It can be, and we were talking about genres earlier, it can be any genre. And if it's a good song, it will stay popular. That is wonderful. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here, but also for telling Hal's story. I mean, to read that book and uh, to read it and read the story and read about his career and also to see it from your lens and the life that you had with him is truly incredible and it's, it's really heartwarming. Thank you so much. Thank you, Matt. I enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much, Mrs. David. I really, 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 really appreciate it. Everybody, go check out Hal David, His Magic Moments. You can order it online, and we've linked below so that you can click the link below and order your book. It really is a wonderful and fascinating read. I love stories about, about if she won't mind me saying, the underdogs, the people who didn't get as much recognition as they should have. Of course, he was awarded so many times over, but in terms of fame, as you heard her talk about, lyricists need to be in the spotlight more. So go check out the book. That's it for us today. Remember to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at talk for 2 and on Instagram, that's at talk for 2 cast at talk for 2 cast And talk for 2 cast at gmail.com is our email. Feel free to reach out and contact me. It's me directly. I've got no cronies answering those emails. It's just me. And of course, always remember to visit our mothership, talkfor2.com. Signing off for Talk for Two, I'm Matt Bailey, reminding everyone out there to keep talking for two. You can hear more show business interviews with the stars at talkfor2.com, where you'll also find one-of-a-kind products to improve your own show. That's talk, the number four, T-W-O.com.